You're listening to Let's Talk Cuyahoga, a podcast that explores county initiatives and pulls back the curtain to reveal the work and the people who are driving Cuyahoga County forward. This month, we asked the question, what work's being done to protect Cuyahoga County residents from lead poisoning and promote healthy homes? I'm Don Calavini from the Communications Department, and joining me now to talk about lead hazards and the work to promote healthy living spaces in Cuyahoga County is Stephanie McConney, a program manager in environmental public health services with the Cuyahoga County Board of Health. Welcome. Thanks for having me. We have been hearing about the hazards of lead paint for decades. I'm sure you're tired of hearing about it. Um, But it's shocking to me that there are still children here in Cuyahoga County who are exposed to something that can poison them. Um, Can we talk about the effects of lead paint still in Cuyahoga County homes? Sure. I mean, when you think about the housing stock at Cuyahoga County, predominantly our housing stock is pre-World War II housing. And so we've got a lot of homes that were built after, you know, World War II, but before lead was banned in 1978. And because of that, we still have lead hazards in homes. So if a home hasn't had its improvements done, uh, aluminum or vinyl siding on the outside, replacement of the windows, um, replacement of porches, things like that, there is a potential for lead paint to still be present in those homes. And in our area, the numbers are um, four times higher than the national average. Is that accurate? So Cuyahoga County is the highest uh, county with lead-poisoned children in the state of Ohio. And again, it has to do with the age of the housing stock and the deferred maintenance that a lot of the housing has had over the last, you know, 50 years. So... You know, we talk about the older homes and and the lead-based paint, but there's also a real danger today when people are doing maintenance on their homes or cleaning up after a natural disaster or some type of insurance issue. Right. So a lot of people think children are um, lead poisoned from eating paint, and that's not necessarily the case. It's more the case of when that paint is ground up into a dust form. And we know small children, those children five years of age or younger, are spending a lot of time on the floor, eating with their fingers. So they're consuming that lead dust. So if mom and dad are actually doing home repairs and they're generating dust, those kids are going to be exposed to those hazards. So when you have um, a contractor coming in to do the work, you want to make sure that that contractor is certified in the renovation, repair, and paint program through the U.S. EPA because they're going to know how to work lead safe and keep it a safe environment. But when you talk about natural disasters, you have more of a concern with other things, not just with lead. You have the concern of moisture, water intruding into the home, coming in through a backup or through flooding. And that's when you have other concerns about a healthy home. You've got potential for mold to grow, or if it's sewage backup, you have the potential for bacteria and viruses to enter into the home and make people sick. So if you have a respiratory condition and you had water coming into the home, you could have mold growing and you could be having um, serious asthma issues or COPD issues as well. And, you know, we we started by talking about lead poisoning and lead hazards, Mm -hmm. but um, overall, uh, June is Healthy Homes Month, and there are a lot of considerations with that, with the mold. And there are so many um, just little tips and things to keep in mind to try to keep your home healthy. Right. So there are actually eight principles of a healthy home, and there are four major ones that we talk about. Keeping it dry. So that means that if you have structural 
problems where your foundation is cracked and moisture is coming in or you have roofing leaks and water is coming in, those things need to be fixed and fixed quickly. Um, If you have a backup of the sewer or you have flooding due to the torrential rains that we get here in the spring and summer, you need to make sure that you get the water out of there, you get the building materials that were damaged out of there and get it dry as quick as possible to limit the mold growth. The other issue is that you want to keep the home pest free. So having, you know, cockroaches in the home is not okay. Those are huge allergens for people with asthma and COPD. They're triggers for them. You want to make sure that you are um, keeping any type of rodents out of the home. So sealing the home up so you're not getting pests entering into the home. And again, back to the moisture. When you have a high level of moisture in the home, you're going to have dust mites growing quickly. And again, that's another irritant for people with respiratory problems. Uh, Another principle for keeping a healthy home is keeping it safe. So that means, you know, making sure that you don't have any exposed electrical hazards. So you've got switch plates on all your, you know, light switches. You've got covers on all of your outlets um, that you have handrails going up and down stairs. If you have an older person living in your home, if you're putting grab bars into the showers. These are things to help people from falling down. So keeping it safe, keeping it well maintained so that when there is a broken step or there is a loose handrail, that those things are being fixed quickly before they turn into major problems. Um, And another one is keeping the home contaminant free. So doing a radon test. If you have a basement, doing a radon test. And I know test kits are sold at Home Depot and Lowe's and the Cuyahoga County Board of Health also sells test kits. So having the home tested for radon, that's a contaminant. That's a naturally occurring gas that can enter the home. And it's a second leading cause of lung cancer. Um, Keeping it contaminant free by not having smoking in the home. So secondhand smoke is a huge concern, not just for children, but for other adults in the home. And also keeping it lead safe. You know, keeping those lead hazards out of the home, making sure that if you do have, you know, older windows and the old painted siding, that you're getting the home tested to ensure that you're not creating another hazard unnecessarily. And you talked about um, earlier making sure that if you hire a contractor, mm-hmm. making sure they're certified. But some of these, you know, safety things and, and the little, you know, home upkeep items are things that we do ourselves that Correct. can lead to problems, um, you know, with lead dust. If somebody is renting an older property and maybe wants to try to replace the floor or, as you said, with the windows, um, paint things like those are things that when they're doing them themselves they haven't gone through the lead certification probably and so there are considerations that you need to have. Yeah we recommend for all landlords that own you know multiple units not just the big apartment complexes, but maybe, you know, a duplex here or there, that getting themselves certified in the renovation, repair, and paint program is probably the best thing they can do. It's an eight-hour class. It's a one-day class passing a test, and then you know how to work lead safe. And that's probably the best thing you can do for managing your properties. And it's probably really important to also go through that class to find out how important it is to be aware of lead hazards, right? Correct, correct. And every landlord should be disclosing if they're renting a pre-1978 house, they should be disclosing that there is a potential for lead hazards in the home. Um, Every tenant should know that if they do due diligence and have their child tested on a regular basis like they're supposed to if they live in a pre-1978 structure, if their child comes back with an elevated lead level, their landlord cannot kick them out. 
They cannot be forced to leave, and nobody is coming to take their children. So we recommend people go and get your children tested. If you're concerned about lead hazards in your home, get the home tested. And, um, you know, let's talk about lead poisoning because it does lead to some developmental delays. Sometimes those delays are delayed. You don't see those things right away. Getting tested means knowing and, and being able to intervene as quickly as possible. Correct. Yeah. The thing with lead poisoning is there's no obvious signs or symptoms. It's not like, you know, a child gets a cold and they get a runny nose, they get a fever. Those are obvious signs that there's something wrong. The signs of being lead poisoned are not as obvious. Um, at higher levels, you know, yes, the child may get constipated, may have, you know, cramping or headaches. But you could attribute those to so many other issues with children. You know, you have a child that's teething. Well, they may be, you know, irritable and they may have, you know, some headaches and things like that. That happens. Um, there are just no obvious signs and symptoms. So the only way to know is to get tested. And it's a conversation that, you know, we recommend that every parent have with their child's physician. And going back to um, making those repairs in the home and trying to do it safely, um, the Cuyahoga County Board of Health administers the Lead Safe program. What kinds of resources are available to Cuyahoga County residents? So any child that has a lead test that lives within our health jurisdiction, which is anywhere in Cuyahoga County outside the city of Cleveland, if they have a lead level of 5 to 10, they're going to get a phone call from our public health nurse. And she's going to talk with them on the phone. She's going to do an interview with them to find out, are there any potential hazards in the home that may be causing that elevation? And she's going to talk about follow-up for medical care as well. If the child has a lead level of 10 or higher, we are automatically going out to that home and doing a test of the home to find out where those hazards are. And we're going to work really hard with the family, uh, be it the owner-occupied family or the landlord, to get those hazards fixed. And, of course, for everybody, whether they have a child with a lead level of 5 or higher or anything, we're going to offer them our lead grant. So we've been fortunate enough to be hunt funded by HUD, and so we do have funding to fix lead hazards in homes where there are small children present. What do you think is the biggest concern facing homeowners, renters, landlords in Cuyahoga County in terms of healthy homes? It's expense. You know, um, so housing is, is hard to find that is affordable and then that is safe. It, it's, it's, it's expensive to find safe housing, housing that's safe for every age bracket, whether it's children less than five with lead hazards or for seniors and making sure that the home is, you know, um, user friendly. Uh, so it's expense and, you know, finding affordable housing that is lead safe, that is uh, healthy, that doesn't have water problems, that doesn't have slip, trip and falls and electrical hazards. It's expensive. And that's really where the concern is, the lack of affordable housing that meets all of those pillars. In talking with you and, you know, we're focused on um, um, children in Cuyahoga County, but seniors too. If we want seniors to be able to live out their lives in their homes, um, that's something that really needs to be a concern. Sure. Aging in place has always been an issue, but you know, in Cuyahoga County, we also have multi-generations living in one home. So to, that's why I said to find a house that meets all of those pillars, it, it's, it's hard. It really is very difficult. But yes, aging in place is definitely an, an issue.
And we're going to be um, talking with a representative from the city of Cleveland about a, an effort that they've had underway to um, put affidavits of fact on homes and just let potential home buyers, let potential renters make sure that they are aware if there are any lead hazards. Um, but this is something that the county has done for a while. Correct. Uh, we found that if we put it out there on the property record that there is an affidavit with, you know, stating that the orders are on the home, that there are lead hazards, that it should not be occupied by anyone until those hazards are corrected. We find that when a property sells, we're getting a phone call asking, what does that mean? What what am I responsible for? And so we can't stop the sale of a property. Um, but we can give notice when someone's going to purchase a property. And if somebody fails to do a title search because they just picked it up quick off the, the sheriff's you know auction and they live in California and they didn't do due diligence, well, now we have an out saying that's not our fault. It's your responsibility. You bought this knowing that that information is out there. It's public record, and you failed to do due diligence. The Board of Health and, and the Cleveland Department of Public Health are a good resource. If you buy a home and there is something there that you don't think is right, call. We can certainly provide education on the phone. It may be something that's warranted that we need to come out to look at, at the home. So call the health department. You know, we're your resource if there is something when you buy a home that you don't think is right. Stephanie McConney is with the Environmental Public Health Services at the Cuyahoga County Board of Health. And I thank you so much for sharing all this knowledge with us. There's so much to think about for renters, for buyers, for landlords, everybody in Cuyahoga County, where you're residing it needs to be a healthy home. Next up, we'll speak with leaders from Cuyahoga County and the city of Cleveland about specific steps that are being taken to fight lead poisoning proactively and also help families whose children have been exposed to lead. You're listening to Let's Talk Cuyahoga. The Lead Safe Resource Center is a one-stop shop for lead poisoning prevention. For help navigating the Lead Safe certification program, Lead Safe workforce training, and resident and rental property owner education, you can contact their Environmental Health Watch team. Find out more at cuyahogacounty.us slash podcast. Welcome back to Let's Talk Cuyahoga. We've been discussing Cuyahoga County's role in promoting healthy homes and protecting residents from lead poisoning. Joining me now is the City of Cleveland's Lead Senior Strategist, Karen Detmer, and the Interim Director of Cuyahoga County's Office of Early Childhood and Invest in Children, Shauna Rorman. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Karen, I'd like to start with you because the city of Cleveland's made an effort recently to get even more aggressive in holding property owners accountable for lead hazards. Can you talk about those initial conversations and um, the decisions that were made, how you got there? So um, being in lead work for close to 30 years, I've been doing this a long time. And what I realized even back at the health department is that we needed to be more proactive in telling citizens when there's a home that had lead hazards. And if it wasn't the owner of that property who was telling them, it was no one. So we realized once we put an order on a home, in other words, we found a hazard and the health department issues an order, we felt it was imperative to let the rest of the community know that also. So they wouldn't rent that property unless it was properly um, 
taken care of. So the affidavit of fact, which we just started about six weeks ago, is put on any property that the health department has placed an order on. And currently, these are past properties that now have a notice of noncompliance, which means after a year, after two years, they have not fixed that house. So there's a placard on the house that says you cannot be on it. But we also have an affidavit of fact on that deed that says there's a lead hazard there. And that deed will not be lifted until they clean up that hazard and send a clearance report to the health department. Now, moving forward, which I'm even more excited about, the minute we do an inspection and issue an order, we don't even wait for them to comply. We will be placing this affidavit on the property immediately because a lot of times in the past they have done quick sales. So they find out they have a problem in their home and they just sell it or their rental property. And we don't want that to happen either. Because then the notification's not there, and right. the new owner doesn't know there was ever a lead hazard. And we had that happen multiple times. And now you start getting lists of families with poisoned children from the same address. This um, landmark lead law went into effect in the city in 2019 with a seven-year goal of total compliance. And I was wondering if you could give us an update on that, where you are, and, and how um, realistic the goal seems at this point. Well, I've been told um, we do all of our data intake through mm -hmm. CASE, Western. They have their own uh, dashboard. And they're the auditors, And they're right? the auditors. So from the auditor's report, it looks like we're in line with other cities that have tried this previously. We're not excelling. We're not behind. So we're kind of in line. It's kind of a, we get the largest areas first, the big apartment complexes and the ones who are post-1978 who can get that exemption forever. Um and then we're now just getting to the point where we're starting those two unit, four unit ones. And that's going to be a little slower moving. So I anticipate it's going to be a little slower. I don't have the exact percentage. We're over 15% completed. Now, when you look at that from year three, it seems a little slow. But with education and the thought an idea moving out that says we are not fooling around. We want this to be something. I think I have I have hope that this is going to move faster. Was there a pushback from property owners? I, I mean, it's just hard for me to imagine that somebody would own a property, rent to a family, knowing that they had lead hazards in the house. I mean, remember, this is a business. Rental units are a business, and that costs money. So how do you convince anyone to, to take something out of their pocket and, you know, put it towards something when this is their income? Um, we have loans and grants in place through the Lead Safe Coalition, um, but we need to, again, educate them that this is out there. So all they really hear right now is, oh, we have to get this Lead Safe certificate. I don't think they're even delving into it far enough to understand that we're there to help them do this at the same time. But also the city is not going to stand back and just let people go. We have started some prosecution, and we will continue. If you don't get this lead safe certificate, which all of them were due as of March of this year. So our first round, we had like a rotating system through zones. 
and March of this year was the deadline for everyone to have one. So now we got to go back to the ones who didn't have one and try to get them. So it, we're, we're serious about it. And moving forward, it's not like you get that certification and, and then you're done because it's a two-year renewal. It's either so a two-year or a 20. Yeah. If, they do a, if they do a risk assessment and they show there is absolutely no lead in the home and apps, you know, no dust hazards, no lead, no bare soil, they can get a 20-year exemption. So there are two different ways you can go. But most people, it, it's more costly to get the inspection for that 20-year. So they're opting for that two-year, which is a dust sampling and a visual, and if that passes, you get your two-year. Um, that's what they're opting for right now, which is pretty much covered um, by the, uh, the incentive that you get. So if you go through the whole process to just get the lead safe certificate, not doing any work on your home, just getting the dust test and everything, it is covered. You get an incentive after that that pretty much pays for it. And what's the time, like, you know, if somebody gets that um, affidavit of fact, when they want to go through the re- go through the certification process, you connect them with the Lead, Lead Safe Coalition. Like, what amount of time are we talking about? So if, if they want to get a Lead Safe certificate, they go through a vetted, there's a vetted list of people through the um, Lead Safe Resource Center, or they can get an independent person who's a risk assessor or a lead clearance technician. They schedule an appointment with them. They get a visual done of their home and the dust sampling that gets sent to a lab, comes back. The uh, inspector writes a report and sends it to the city. The city has to approve that report, and they will issue a certificate. Um, It varies. A couple of weeks. It started out very well. It got a little backlogged, especially when you get, remember, one of these plots could have 200 units. It's a lot to go through for one little property thing. Um, So it kind of varies. Um, Also, inspectors, just like any business, you tend to put them all in at the end of the month. So we get very backlogged at the end of the month with people asking for certificates. And we have to review them. And that review, they could be missing things. You know, sometimes they send pictures in and that picture may not look quite right, even though they say there wasn't anything you could see in the picture there might have been. So there's a pretty hefty review process. Um, I think if the city continues to grow that particular section that looks at these lead safe certificates, I think it will go a lot faster. And I think people are now understanding a little better what is needed, where before they weren't even sure what these people were going to do when they came in their house. Mm-hmm. So, when you hear that it's Healthy Homes Month, and I mean, you said you've been in the lead business for quite some time. Like, what? How does that inform your vision and the kinds of things that that you'd love to see for the city of Cleveland? Oh, my vision is basically they walk into the city of Cleveland, and every single person in the city is aware of lead and understands lead. I would love them to be walking over posters, pictures, billboards, the whole thing, but. That may not happen. But with Healthy Homes Month, we have a chance to do some accelerated media attention, some accelerated events out in areas. Um, We have some sections that might be worse than others, but really there's no section in the city of Cleveland that doesn't have lead. So we don't want to, we want to emphasize the whole city. Do you have more plans to uh, address prevention through legislation? Or I think the existing ordinance 
is in review right now and will continue to be in review because as things change, you always have to switch things. And I think we're looking at some of the, the older ordinances also to see if we can bring in more. Um, we need more assistance with daycares and we need more assistance for these families for sure. There just isn't enough around. Well, it's important to remember it's about, you know, holding people accountable if they're going to be property owners. Shauna Roman is the Interim Director of Invest in Children and works with families who've seen the effects of lead poisoning. Would it be accurate to say this is a health crisis in Cuyahoga County? Absolutely. And importantly, this is a health crisis that is 100% avoidable. It's a very expensive problem to get rid of, but with uh, remediated and abated houses, children can live in safe environments and not be lead poisoned. Like that is a thing that is possible, um, but it takes a lot of money to do that. The implications of lead poisoning for children um, can be far ranging, but we see those impacts uh, most centrally on development. And when they are so little, my office focuses on children prenatal to kindergarten, 90% of brain growth happens in that period. And so this is, uh, this is um, lead is something that impacts brain development. And so for it to be happening at that crucial period, it is a crisis because there is no way to counter completely counteract the impact of lead. We can do a lot of programming and support to try to minimize the impact, but there's no cure for lead poisoning. So yes, I would say that it is, it is a crisis, but one that we can, uh, we can end. And as uh, we've said, there is no safe level of lead Correct. for a child. Correct. So any exposure um, is toxic. Um, for a family who may be concerned that their child has been exposed, then how important is the next step, which is testing to be sure, intervention? Testing is really important. And I know um, based on lots of conversations that we have around screening and testing that it can be tough with little kids, um, especially because the, the sort of key testing ages are one and two. And that's also when children, especially at age one, are getting tons of vaccination. So they're sick of being pricked with a needle. And so that can be that can be really challenging, but it's important for families to get their little ones tested because they are then eligible for services. Um, the key one that uh, is an entitlement across the state of Ohio is early intervention. So it used to be the case that children with elevated blood lead levels were eligible for early intervention if they displayed some type of delay or disability. But since 2019, there was a rule change which made every child with an EBLL automatically eligible for early intervention. And so if that child is not displaying any delays or disabilities, they may never, and that would be, that's wonderful. And so for those children, there are services to work with the child to improve, like sort of work on their cognitive skills and just everything that we should be doing for young children and a social worker who can help that family navigate some of the other things that they'll have to figure out with the home and the resources that are available to them. Right. So there's that. And with that alone, I think getting, making sure that every child is tested at ages one and two is so important so that we can ensure that they get access to the early intervention services. And one thing that's concerning about that is um, you've gotten feedback from families in Cuyahoga County where um, they're afraid if my child 
ends up having testing positive for lead exposure, um, the county might take my child away from me. And that's not true. What is your response? So it is something we've heard from a number of folks who work closely with families that that concern is out there. It's not a founded concern. Um, We, we, uh, want families to connect to those services and we don't want them to be concerned about having their children taken away because in lots of cases families may not know that that hazard is there. That is not something that they should be held responsible for. It's something that landlords uh, should be held responsible for, which is why we have this, you know, like the the ordinance that was passed in the city of Cleveland and all of the work that Karen has described is so is so important. Um, so no, we don't want families worrying about that. We want families to feel supported to help their children thrive in as many ways as we can help them. And the intervention, you know, obviously the sooner that you uh, know what's going on, right. the better. And as you said, um, many times, even if the, the test is positive, you, you won't see any delays, but the delays can be delayed. Is yes, that true? That's true. Yes. And so the testing prior to those services being available for all children, we sort of, testing was sort of like treating children as canaries in the coal mine to some extent, because the test was the first indicator that a property or an environment was a lead hazard. Um, and so that sort of is then even um, further sort of exacerbated by the fact that we don't see the delays. And so if if they're, if the family is sort of not seeing anything really happening with that child, they may not think to do a lead test. Nobody, maybe there's no recommendation to do that and they wouldn't think to do that otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, those, those delays can be delayed. That's absolutely right. And so we want to make sure that those kiddos are just blanketed in services from the time that they receive that test. We want to make sure that they're in an environment that no longer poses a lead hazard. And we want to make sure that they're connected to things like high quality preschool and home visiting and literacy programs. Um, And if, if needed also, you know, we have early childhood mental health programs that are office funds. So there are resources out there Um, for families. And I would say in the last couple of years with the early intervention rule change and um, uh, early childhood programs also really acknowledging sometimes this gap at age three to five, where if they don't have, um, if there's not something happening that would qualify them for an individualized education plan through a school district, sometimes the services that are available can be spotty. And so our system has really worked to um, develop more programming. SPARK is an early literacy program that um, is working with Metro Health's lead clinic to get children referred to um, SPARK Home Visiting. Bright Beginnings um, has a new parent support lead department that helps families navigate some of these challenges of um, lead hazards for children Uh, three to five. So there are new things happening in the community to support families um, before those kiddos get to school. And starting point? Starting point, yes. We work closely with starting point to um, implement a program called prevention and inclusion programs. That is um, an, uh, an early childhood mental health plus type program in classrooms. So this is providing supports to children and teachers in the classroom really with the end goal of making sure that child stays there if that's the appropriate setting for them. So oftentimes we see that when children have behavioral challenges, 
if the if the childcare program is not equipped to sort of accommodate or provide that child with the specialized care that they need, they will not be able to accommodate that child in their program anymore. So the the PIPs program we call it prevention and inclusion programs, it is designed to support the provider to help that child stay in the program. And some of those children are children who have ex- have been exposed to lead. And we had moved on to the conversation about schools after focusing a lot on healthy homes. But, you know, children spend so much time in daycare settings, mm-hmm. school settings, child care settings. Karen, is that something where um, the city is focused on as well? Always, always focused on that. And um, there have been a couple pilot programs that have gone through on looking at uh, and I think Starting Point's doing a new one mm-hmm. very soon, uh, looking at daycares and trying to get them through the whole process from recognizing if there are any lead hazards and what's the situation to actually remediating them mm-hmm. so we have safe daycares. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's definitely on our radar. And there are grant and loan programs mm-hmm. for all of that work as well. And mm-hmm. just it's got to be such a challenge to try to connect people with resources that can help them. I mean, it might seem like this big um, hill to climb, but um, there is a lot of help because there are so many people are invested in um, getting this problem alleviated. Mm-hmm. And I, I think together we have to just bring that whole group, to, group everybody together. Here's your resources. Here's what lead is. Here's your resources. Mm-hmm. And just kind of keep moving it forward that way. And constant education. Mm-hmm. Constant education. It really has become a sort of multifaceted approach, um, especially with, as you mentioned, the um, the lead safe child care um, pilot, which starting point is is of which starting point is the administrator. So that, as you said, identifying those spaces. So it's not just about homes. We, right. you know, it's about rental properties, and I imagine at some point that will expand to resource. Hopefully, will expand to resources for owner occupied mm-hmm. homes. Really working to make the entire community. Um, lead-free or lead-safe is not just about the homes, but also the spaces where Mm -hmm. children are spending their time. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining me to discuss this really important topic. Shauna Rormans, the Interim Director of Cuyahoga County's Office of Early Childhood and Invest in Children. Karen Detmer is the Lead Senior Strategist for the City of Cleveland. And I appreciate your passion for this subject. We've just got to keep spreading the word, right? Uh, You can find out more about their work to prevent lead hazards in Cuyahoga County and the city of Cleveland, about the resources that can help with lead abatement, lead testing, and other services. Visit cuyahogacounty.us slash podcast for links. Let's Talk Cuyahoga is a podcast that explores Cuyahoga County initiatives and the people who make them happen. It's produced by the Cuyahoga County Multimedia and Communications teams. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss our next episode. And if you have have any comments or questions about this podcast, any lead hazard issues, or maybe a topic you'd like us to take on in a future episode, email communications at cuyahogacounty.us. Let's talk Cuyahoga.